I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Gaze on Film. This podcast is where we, a pair of gays, talk about what we're watching. I am Declan. And I'm Ned. And in this episode, we'll be talking about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Remember, there will be spoilers once we get to the headline feature. So, as always, do proceed with caution. Excuse the hair fever noses today. Oh my god, the pollen count is so high. I know, I got a notification on the Met Office was like, pollen count is very high today. I was like, you don't need to tell me Like, I can feel it in my eyelids. So excuse that, um, <laughs> but before we get to that, I'm dying. What uh, I'm dying to know what you've been watching recently, King. Uh, a few films actually. I watched the Full Monty, which used to be one of my absolute faves when I was. Uh, I don't know how old I was. Probably a teenager. Um, Just so people know, it's the. Film and not the TV show that's about to come on Disney Plus. Well, obviously, it's not out yet. Yeah, but we don't know when people are listening. Mm, true. And it's out well, this week, I think. Funny you should mention that because I watched it while I was in the bath, I don't know, two weekends ago. And then where were we? Walking along and slapped on the side of a bus was a massive Full Monty advert. And I was like, Ilkley. Oh. Didn't know that was coming out. Yeah. Um, so that looks good. And uh, looks like lots of the old cast are in it. So I might give it a watch. You never know. Maybe it's a TV show made for me. Um, what else to watch? Um, I have watched The Pope's Exorcist. Yeah, we watched that together, didn't we? Which we was did. a recent horror film with Russell Crowe. Um, wasn't very good. Well, yeah, I didn't I mean, think it was. I gave it one and a half stars. Oh, scathing. Because it wasn't very good. I don't know. I didn't have a horrible time watching it. but It like, was fine. Like, it wasn't we... remotely scary, which you kind of want a film about the Pope's Exorcist to be a bit scary. Yeah. And I just didn't get scared by it. Me neither. Like, it, was more, it felt more silly. There weren't any jump scares. No. Um... It was a cool um, premise, I guess. Yeah, but... I quite liked what the story was trying to get at, I guess. There were just a few, like, holes in it, I think. It, just, it was just everything we've seen before and not that great of a version, I don't think. So. Yeah, a damp squib. Oh. Yes. Um, and I've also watched the new Transformers film. Rise of the Beasts. Beasts. Yeah. Um, I have only seen one of the Transformers films before, and it was probably the first one, and it must be at least 15 years ago. Which, the first one is to probably the only one that's any half decent, and then two, they've done four more of the main Michael Bay ones, which no were just Never really not very asked, good. To be um, but... Yeah. Do you know, watching this one though, I did remember it unlocked a bit of a memory of, you know, when you go on holiday and like there are very few TV channels, so you don't really have a lot of choice about what you watch. Well, where we would go, there was a TV channel and on a it, single one. Well, there was there was pop TV and tiny pop TV. Okay. Um, and Pop TV often had cartoon Transformers, which looked like it came from, like, the 90s or something. There is a... But, I think there still is. Yeah, I used to quite cartoon. enjoy that. Yeah. But, I mean, the films are... They exist. So I have a little bit more experience with the Transformers films because they always used to come out in July. Mm. And every time we used to go visit my uncle in Nottingham, um, it was Patrick's, my brother, and my cousin Ethan's birthday around that is the 1st of July both are the same 
we always used to go see the latest Transformers film. And as a kid, they were like the biggest, most amazing things because it was robots and explosions. Mm. Um, so they are they they hold like a fond place in my heart. Mm. Um, and I really wanted this one to be a bit like Bumblebee because Bumblebee that came out in 2018, which was a bit of a soft reboot, was really good. Um, and it went more into the story whilst it had robots explosions etc it had a bit more of a story to it um and i was sad to see this one kind of go back a bit more to that spectacle and a really daft plot where there's a thing that they've got to find so another villain doesn't get it it was very it was very done before yeah. I think, um, but you know, I, big cliffhanger at the I end, though, which I don't it. want to spoil in this. But what's the cliffhanger? Well, out the well, main character by Anthony Ramos meets somebody who is another character in the <laughs> in the pantheon of Par- what Paramount owns. Right. Do you remember now? No. Can't have stuck with me, obviously. No. So they're clearly going to go other places with it. Um, but yeah, I only gave it two and a half star. I think Sp- I gave it three. Speaking of stars, <laughs> we rewatched Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, which also has a place in our heart because I think it's the film we watched when, on one of our first dates when you came over to yeah. mine. Yeah. Um, it's a comedy film that came out during the pandemic and went straight to streaming, and hardly I feel like hardly anybody has seen it but is a total fever dream of a film. It's so fun, And it's me? absolutely hilarious. It's got Kristen Wiig and I always forget the other actress's name. I I know where I... Rec- well, no, I know I recognise her, but I don't know where I recognise her from. Annie Momolo, Jamie Dornan as well, who does things that you would not expect Jamie Dornan to do. I didn't think he had the comedic chops that this film oh. showcases. Yeah. Um, but it's just so funny. It it reminds me of like the kind of comedy of Austin Powers, silly, but actually really good. Um I feel like some of the comedy in Austin Powers doesn't age particularly well. No. But I can't see this aging out. No, I can't actually, but I get but I mean more like how it it's silly humor. Like slapstick. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And like, exaggerated movements and yeah. and just daft. And silly accents. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very fun. I'd um, recommend to everyone if you fancy a laugh. I would very much so. Um, I also finished The Diplomat on Netflix, which has took me probably two months, maybe more. It was quite good for a political-type mm. drama. You know what else we've been watching? Sorry, oh. you finished saying what you want to say. Well, that's pretty much it. I would recommend yeah. it on Netflix if you're into that kind of thing. Um got Kerry Russell as the main character. Yeah. Um, and that sexy man from The Crown. Who? Princess Margaret's boyfriend. Oh, right? you think he's sexy? Oh, he's easy on the eye. Oh, just the one eye? Just one of them, yeah. <laughs> what else have we been watching? Um, I Kissed a Boy. Yeah. Which we don't you always talk about. a joke there. Oh. Who did you kiss? Me. Obviously. Obviously. Um, um, go on. <laughs> well, I wasn't really that. It's been out a bit on BBC, and I think they're doing. Yeah, a we didn't really. Wasn't really that it. asked for it because it was described to me as Love Island for gays, and I fucking hate Love Island. So yeah. why would I want to watch a gay version? But it is so much better than Love Island for gays. Um, it reminds me... I mean, me... it is pretty much an exact rip-off of Love Island, though. Except... There's nothing different apart from the, the gay. Well, they all have personalities beyond looking good, and they're not vapid. Well... Which is all I get from Love Island. Sorry, all you Love Island fans and the people on Love Island. I'm sure you're human behind that facade, but <laughs> it's really not selling it for me. Anyway, it really took me back. There was an old... I say old, I mean maybe 15 years ago, playing it straight. And I think it was on Channel 4. And it was basically um, a woman and like 20 lads went into a house similar to the Masseria on 
uh, Love Island, except not Love Island, I Kissed a Boy, mm. except it was um, a hacienda in Spain. Oh. And she had to work out which of them were gay and which of them were straight and, like, eliminate one every week. Oh, my God. Hooked. Don't um, even recall that at really all. Good. It was really good. Um, and it really it gave me those vibes. But, yes, it was quite nice to see all of the gays being gay on the BBC. Yeah, we need to, we've got a couple more episodes to watch. We are a little bit behind, but might watch one after we've recorded. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, what else has been going on in the news, King? So, news is quite slow still because of the writer's strike. So I will open the news section with a question. <laughs> How old will you be when the final Avatar film comes out? Oh, if I get the year right, I will be... 36. Oh. Or have I got the year wrong? Well, that leads to the news that Disney yesterday had a bit of a big shuffle of its release dates and due to probably the writer's strike... Well, you haven't given me the answer. I'm going to. Oh, okay. uh, probably due to the writer's strike and other bits um, and other reasons they've moved things around and give things different dates. So... The final Avatar film will now release on the 19th of December, 2031. Do you know what? So how old will I be? I will be 36. What's... 37? Yeah. Um, Going on 38. nearly 38. That's horrendous. Planning your birthday party. Yeah, I will. Um, I don't get how, how or why they choose to give it such a specific date. That Studios release... Like earmarked it ages in advance because so nobody else will. They've all got like a big right competition. Even but, though it'll probably change again anyway. Well, maybe, but I do think for Avatar it's quite a good thing because in I eight think, years it's definitely going to change. Well, maybe, but <laughs> they've also bumped Avatar three and four, so we're getting three in twenty twenty five December, four in twenty twenty nine, and five in twenty 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 thirty one. But I do think it's good for Avatar because I think a bit of distance between them makes them more of a spectacle. Oh, Avatar 2 was brilliant because of the, what, 13-year gap. Yeah. So we're going to have a three-year gap between 2 and 3. Yeah. And I think that's perfect for Avatar because they are real event films. And I think because they're quite similar... There isn't like it's not like the MCU where you can have something galactic and then something earthbound. Yeah. Like it yeah. It's very much a thing. I think that'll be a good way to um, do it. I almost think three years is long enough that you're not kind of avatared out, but it's not too long that you have to do a full rewatch before the next one comes out. I can pretty much remember it because I know we saw it twice. Uh-huh. So I might watch two again, but I don't need to watch one again. No. No. then yeah necessarily and moving on to marvel um most things got pushed back but one thing got bumped up um so deadpool 3 which is currently in production um which was originally slated for the 8th of november next year has moved up to may 3rd next year so it will kick off summer blockbuster season and i'm hearing quite good things about deadpool okay. 3 and i think the fact that they using it to kick off the summer blockbuster season is a good sign that that Disney like it. And apparently the rumours are that it is... You know how Spider-Man, the third Spider-Man, was like the multiversal Spider-Man and all the different versions? In Deadpool 3, we will get all the different versions of the Fox X-Men as a goodbye to them before the MCU builds out a new X-Men team. So we're talking like... Ian McKellen as Magneto, Hugh Jackman as... Well, Hugh Jackman is confirmed to be back as Wolverine. So, all sounds good. But everything else, Captain America, Brave New World, which is a slightly new title, but I can't remember what the old title was. Thunderbolts, Blade and Fantastic Four all kind of bumped along. Um, And Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, got pushed back a year to the 1st of May 26. And Avengers, Secret Wars got pushed a year to 7th of May 27. There are some dates that Marvel still need to fill um, because currently they only have one date in 2026. 
and one in 27. So I'm thinking Shang-Chi 2. Oh, are you? Uh, Doctor Strange 3, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Um, obviously, we also got news recently that three Disney uh, Star Wars films are coming. They also got dates, two in 2026 and one in 2027. But I don't, I see that changing because I can't imagine two Star Wars films in the same year. The live action Moana ugh, got its date of June 2725. And the new Alien film which was meant to be Another a, alien streaming, a streaming film, also got a release date of the 16th of August next year. That means, reminds me, in fact, I've still got two or three left in my Grand Alien Predator Saga adventure. Yeah. Well, so you best get caught up. I'll get those watched this year, listeners. Uh, ready for the next Alien. Yes. What a time we've had, but now it's time to cast our minds into the future and get excited about what's coming up in the world of film. It's time now for Trailer Trash or Treasure. And what have we got this time? I am asking myself, because I'm going to introduce this one. Oh, are you? Why? So, just because... Well, I mean, you can, obviously. I don't know, just thought. Right, I picked yep. it, so... And you probably haven't heard of it. Well... No, but what's that got to do with the press? And I'm not seeing it, is what I was going to say. Ah, right. So this time I've picked Poor Things, which is Yorgos Lanthimos' next film, who did whose previous film was 2018's The Favourite, which is a very memeable Is film. that one about the royal family? Olivia Colman. Did you just look at me? Look at me! No? No, I haven't seen it. Great film. Okay. Um... Her and Rachel Weisz. Rachel Weisz. Um, so I'm not seeing this. It's got. I know it's got Emma Stone in. I can't remember who else is in it. So let's watch it. And as always, um, link is in the, the show, show notes. notes. Yeah. Pause if you would like to watch along with us. Yeah. Join us back after the, the sparkles. sparkles. Yeah. <laughs> Evil, doesn't that look fun? I'm not sure about fun. I think strange. Yeah, super um, artsy and stylized. Yeah, for sure. Very Yorgos. Yeah. Um, I think it looks like it's going to be a bit of me, to be honest. I thought when I was watching it, I was like, that's probably more a bit of Ned than it is me. Yeah. Um, it looks a bit like a Frankenstein-y type I was thinking premise. that, like maybe like Bride of Frankenstein yeah. take on. Yeah. So the premise is it follows a young woman who, after being resurrected by an unorthodox scientist, lives a life free of prejudices of her time, which is quite Frankenstein-like. Yeah. They describe it as, as a surrealist science fiction film. Oh, well, I love both of those things. Based on a novel, 1992 novel of the same name. Poor Weird. Things. Weird. Um, Interesting name. It's got... Emma Stone, Will Mark Ruffalo, Willem Dafoe, Rami Youssef, Jared Carmichael. Um, Willem Dafoe's makeup looks weird, doesn't it? Scary, yeah, a bit scarred. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's just she looks a bit out con out of control with her body. She doesn't know what she's doing with it. She's been resurrected. She's probably forgotten how to use it. Looks like she's got no like. Um boundaries like she doesn't understand personal boundaries and things um looks really interesting it's it's um slated in the us for this september 8th this year i'm not sure when we'll get it but i'm sure it'll be this side of like this year at some oh, point i hope so it feels like sometimes we wait months and months and months for things to come across the atlantic it's not quite falling into like the December awardsy films, which we no. tend to get like February, March. So mm. we'll see. Um, mm. Trash or treasure? Treasure. Mm. Mm. I think I'm gonna go with a light trash. A light trash. Yeah. Just ever so slight. Didn't quite do it for uh, me. It just it looks exactly like the type of film I want to watch. So. Yeah. I'm hooked. And now, for this week's headline feature, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, coming up right after this quick break. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right, so... Spider-Man Spider Across the Spider-Verse, sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So, Is it going to be another one? Yes. Yeah. Um, that's a point that I do want to talk about, actually, when we get into the film. But I'll start with a synopsis. And Ned held his hands up to me and said he hasn't come up with one himself. So I've done it through the power that is imdb.com. So shall I go for it? Yeah, why not? Miles Morales catapults across the multiverse where he encounters a team of spider people charged with protecting its very existence. When the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles must redefine what it means to be a hero. Mm, I like that. It's probably better than the one I had to come up with. It's quite a good one for an IMDb yeah. one because they're not always that great. I think I'm great. a bit hay fevery, so my creative brain is a bit foggy today. Well, let's start with what's your relationship with the first film like? You only watched it recently. I said that without moving my lips then. <laughs> uh, I've only watched it recently for the first time. Um, You're a parrot in here. <laughs> <laughs> and I very much enjoyed it, actually. I think that they are marvellously creative. Yeah. Um, awesome animation style. Bright colours, really cool music. Um, all of the characters have like a bit of an edge about them, which I like. And I think it does quite good at like getting you in the feels, actually. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I remember going to see the first one on the IMAX screen and I generally thought I'd never seen anything quite like it. And yeah. I'm not sure if... Because it was an animated film, I didn't treat it with quite the hype of a Marvel film where I've normally watched the trailers a million times and I feel like I can almost piece together what's going to happen in the film. Yeah. I don't think I'd even really watched much of it. I didn't, I just, I went in quite cold is what I'm saying. I didn't know what yeah. to expect and it blew me away. Well, I was nervous to watch it because you hyped it up and often if a film is hyped up, I expect too much of it. And I expected a lot from it, and it still exceeded my expectations. Imagine if you'd have seen so, it on the IMAX screen for yeah, the first time. And, and having watched this one on the IMAX screen, I can imagine how great the first one was. Well, this is the thing. I didn't know how they could top the first one, but I generally think this is... I won't even say they've topped it, but I do think it's very much on par, but it they is, are different films. It's at least matched, yeah. for sure, yeah. without a doubt, yeah. It is literally probably one of the most amazing animated films I yeah. think I've ever seen. It's so inventive. It's almost like, in air quotes, adult animation. I don't think it's meant to be for well, younger skewing yeah, audiences. It's, it's not like a cartoon. No. And I think you can see it's kind of influences from like Japanese manga and all that kind of stuff because yeah, and I do think in in the western world we don't really see animation all that much as like an, an adult genre like you'll watch the Disney films but it's like uh... chill child legit I'm saying compared to the east where in Asia like adults love adult animated films I don't know I think there's a quite a rich and diverse adult animation loving fan base yeah but they don't release a lot of them in the west no that have been produced and created out of hollywood that is yeah fair enough the only I thing i can think hollywood of is that... seems to do stuff quite like hollywoody 
yeah safe yeah quite a lot of the time yeah um but yeah um i liked how this one kind of pivoted to more and starts with gwen stacy slash spider-woman's character and it's all about her relationship with her dad because he thinks spider-woman is a murderer after peter parker in that world was killed um and like what i thought was quite interesting is we got quite a long scene setting this up and then it cut cut to the credits and i remember it cut into the credits and i thought oh this has been on for a while yeah. it's only just yeah doing it um but um... it kicks in for me when you're in for a treat when Vult, um gwen stacy comes across their universe's version of vulture but it's no it's not they've it's, not it's come universe. out of there but it's in her universe and yeah. escape from another one and it's like this italian renaissance version of vulture it's basically what vulture would look like if leonardo da vinci drew him a bit steampunky wasn't he yeah as well um and i just thought Right, we're in for a treat here because yeah. straight away we've seen two very distinct animation styles. Um, and it's great. And I love the colour palette in Gwen's... Let's start with Gwen's world. Like, I know people have said, oh, it looks like the trans flag, which it did. But, like, the, 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 the frames, like, washed away as the scenes were happening. Like, you could see bits yeah. of it were, like... yeah. It was it almost like watercolours were, were yeah, like spilling it and lovely. it was just beautiful. Yeah. No, I really liked that they chose pink and blue and white as the colour palette for um, Gwen's scenes, particularly like conversations with her dad when, like I know you weren't watching a coming out story and it wasn't supposed to be a coming out story, but... I challenge any queer person to watch this film and not see a similar conversation as if Gwen Stacy was coming out to her dad. But even so, even when Miles is trying to tell his mum yeah. something, there was loads of bits that felt very, very queer-coded to me. Yeah. And that's one of the first things we discussed when we, we when walked we out, out of the, the cinema. cinema because yeah. I was like, it very much feels like he's going to go... Though his mum was goading him to be like, tell me what's wrong, tell me what's wrong. I was literally imagining him going, I'm gay. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, but but yeah, there was quite a lot of elements mm. of that. Um, Do you know what I like that they brought through from the first film as well? What? It's a bit of a silly gag, really, where spider people from different universes, like when they're introduced into the film, it's like... My name is so and so. Yeah. And for this long, I've been my world's only Spider Man. Yeah. And it gives them all it's a very comic. It's really funny. Yeah. Um, and it did it a lot in the first film. And I think it kind of repeated the same gag like four or five times in the same scene. And I was like, I don't know if this is getting tiring or not, but it absolutely wasn't. And then they didn't drag it on any further, and it was great. Left yeah, because there's a few different characters that... And then there's that... a few in this that do the same thing. So we have Spider-Man India, he gets one. Uh, Spider-Punk, who's like a black British punk rock version of Spider-Man, he got one. Spider-Man 2099, Miguel O'Hara, he got like a... Yeah. Popper. Yeah, it's like, oh, surprise you can it literally is if it's leaping out of the comic book yeah. comic book pages yeah. when it does that kind of stuff. It's cool. Yeah. Um we kind of quite early then get introduced to the spot as the villain. And you see him and you think that is a really weird choice of a villain. But I think as well because we I can't seen... get past the name. But I think because we've seen so many of the standard Spider-Man villains now across loads of films, Green Goblin, Sandman, Venom, like, I think with these films, even though they aren't set in the real, in the same universe, although some of the characters, that's a different thing, um, I just thought the spot was really daft, but it worked really well, especially mm. with his powers kind of being his spots became... Multiversal like, portals, like portals kind of thing. Did you ever play that game? I think it was on Xbox and it was Portal. And I don't like, think so. shoot portals at things and try and... Anyway, no. Um, it reminded me of that. Me and Frankie used to play it a lot. Frankie is my uh, best friend growing up. Um, 
So that's what that made me think of. But it was really funny. There were some really quite funny gags when the spot was like not quite in total control of his power yet. And I'm trying to go go about Like as we see him at the start and he's trying to rob an ATM machine out of a supermarket shop and he's not having Why do people say ATM machine? The M stands for machine. Oh, is it? Miles Morales comes into the shop and is like, why are you saying ATM machine? Clever. Mm. You yeah. didn't get it, though. I You're didn't. You're looking at, at me really annoyed for <laughs> correct. I'm me. more concerned because I can see how much of a hair fever uh, episode you are having. I know. Um, so the, one of the main places that we go to next is Mumbatton. That was a really interesting so clever. thing. I don't. Th- I loved it. I don't think I loved its name. Well, it, it you just, know what it is. I know you know what it is. It just like was a bit silly. And you can't call it New Delhi because that already exists. New Mumbai. No, it's not quite the same ring. Why not call it Mumbai? Why can't he be in Mumbai? Because it looked like New York, but in Mumbai or Mumbai in New York. Yeah. And I loved his character. I thought Indian Spider-Man oh, was, yeah, he is brilliant. was absolutely great. Yeah. Um, really cool kind of skill set. Well, he obtains his powers through magic in his universe, so it's yeah. slightly different to the more kind of spider bite stuff. Mm. And I thought, again, this is going to be repeated a lot, but the animation style there was wicked. Oh, way cool. Like, yeah, way, every way cool. bit you think, oh, I've seen this, I've seen this, and then it'll move to a different animation style, and you'll be like, wow. And then it blends them all together, and then you think, how on earth are they blending all of these together so successfully? Yeah. Like, Spider-Punk's animation is quite different to the others of the main characters. Yeah. And, and it, I didn't find it jarring. Yeah, it, to look at it, you would think, oh, God, that's going to be off-putting. Yeah. But it absolutely isn't. It just seems to really suit the character so well that you almost stop seeing it as a different animation style and just start seeing uh, Spider-Punk, the character. Yeah. Which I think is very cool. Oh, it's a moth. So Ned's been looking at something on the roof of our flat. I did think that was going to... That's what it would be. Well, it was just and if we get a scream during this podcast, it's because it's flew into me because the only things we've got... I don't know why we're sitting in the dark. I don't know why we're sat in the dark, but the only thing we've got is the laptop light, so... So it'll probably find us Actually, I am going to turn the light on because I will scream if it, if it flies towards That'd me. That would be so funny. No, but it's quite big. I saw it on the roof. Wait, wait for us one sec. Okay, just bear with us, listeners. Oh, well, that light doesn't That on. light's not plugged in, so uh-huh. you'll have to find another lamp in the room. Right, it can fly over there because generally... Where is it? I don't know. I just saw it kind of come down this way. Anyway, you can't say we don't invite you into our home with this podcast. So the next thing I would like to say is, I don't know why that was Not so Not that formal. that was an invitation to any vampires listening, just in case. Yeah, yeah. So I thought this film was a fantastic Spider-Man film. Me too. So really, really amazing film. But from a Spider-Man perspective, I just thought the introduction of what they call canon events was so... It was ingenious because we've seen that many Spider-Man films and we know that, you know, there's always an Uncle Ben of some version. There's always an Aunt May. There's a Gwen. There's an MJ. And, like, basically, the main bit that this plot is built around is there's there's a death of a police captain close to Spider-Man in every single universe. Yeah. And basically, if these canon events don't happen the fabric of reality starts to collapse. Collapse. So um, Miguel, who is Spider-Man 2029, and this is where the emotion comes into it because he's very, clearly very family-driven, so it's quite an emotion-led film, but he tried to replace a deceased version of himself in a universe where he had a happy family, and then that universe completely collapsed. Yeah. So he's become... Quite jaded, as you would probably expect. Well, yeah, I think he. It feels to me like not only is he taking the weight of the world on his shoulders, but he's taking the weight of the multiverse on his shoulders. Well, yes, because now he's very because serious he's about. He's learned 
maintaining the fabric of exactly. the multiverse. Um, what I think about his story arc is it's very much a cautionary tale for kind of assuming responsibility for everything and not trusting other people to do the bits and bobs that they can do because, you know, trying to take on such a mammoth task solo is just going to make you, like, burn out and turn into someone that doesn't necessarily make all the best decisions all the time. Yeah. Um, And I think that's what I got the impression he was trying to learn through this. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Um, A lot of the film is obviously built around that premise that we've just discussed there. And part of it, they end up somewhere called the Spider Society, um, which is kind of like a... It's like Spidey HQ, isn't it? Yeah, of all these different people. And there's funny bits where they all point at each other. Like the meme. I feel like every time you watch the film, you would probably spot a different kind of Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, How many of those Spider-folk are from comics that exist? I don't know, but I know Spider-Man as a character has played quite a lot with the multiverse and yeah. there's multiple different versions of them, yeah. like Miles Morales for one, well, Gwen uh, Stacy yeah. for another, yeah. so there are multiple versions, but I, do think, I don't think that many have been in comics because there's literally probably thousands of versions in, in each different frame, there's so mm. many different types. Honestly, so many. Um, and Miles is kind of there and he kind of decides to stick it to the multiversal rules and wants to get back out to save his dad well, who was a that no that again captain. is another kind of classic spider-man thing of a choice between saving someone and saving someone else with great power comes great yeah. responsibility like i remember toby Maguire, for example was there was like a busload of people yeah about to fall into the river, and there was MJ, and he had to... Yeah. You know, it was very much a choice, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and that seems to be what um, Miles was faced with, and he was like, uh, why can't I do both? Did you find the Spider Society stuff dragged ever so slightly? Um, this no, is where, because the film's quite long, I feel like I that, so. that's where it could have... And you this, know what? This is where I thought, oh, it's not for kids because it there's quite a lot of dialogue in this. Like, yeah, it's very, um, very auditory. Yeah. Um, the only scene that I was watching and I was like, this feels like it's going on longer than is plausible for the sort of setting they're in, was when they were on that like train that was going vertical. I don't even remember that. After they got out of the building that Spider HQ was in, Uh there was, like, some sort of a train. And I don't... It didn't quite make sense to me, but it was going vertically as if it were escaping the atmosphere or something. And they were, like, on top of the carriages doing action. And there was lots of drawn-out dialogue, and it felt like this train was going vertical really, really quickly for such a long time. I was like, you must be halfway across space by now, but you're still not all that far away from the building you started in. That didn't quite add up to me, but yeah. not enough for me to knock any, like, points off, because yeah, it was still same, fucking same brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was clever how Miles was never meant to become Spider-Man, so, and the universe oh, where... Oh, I kind of felt bad for him then. So did I, but I thought it was a clever plot device in that yeah. the universe where the the spider came from because the spot brought it over. Yeah. There was no Spider-Man and it was like a war zone because of no Spider-Man, um, yeah. which I thought was quite good. Um, so, did you see the twist coming? <laughs> which twist? So when Miles returns to home or what he thinks is home, confesses to his mum that he is Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, I saw that come in. So I knew a twist was coming, and we should have known a bit more, because I think even... So throughout this film, when they went to different Earths, it came up as, like, it said what Earth it was. Yeah. And when Miles goes back, it says he's on Earth 42. Yeah. And obviously, Miles is from Earth 1610. Yeah. But I didn't fully twig that, oh, he's not in the right place, and he's going to be trapped there. 
Oh, added. So, but that was interesting. <laughs> and then, but it was nice, even, but I'll ask you this, even though you kind of knew a twist was coming, was it good to see it play out? Oh, yeah, no, I yeah. enjoyed it. Because I saw it happen, like, I did put two and two together and get 42 as the wrong place to go yeah. when it happened. So it didn't feel like it was a twist particularly. It's because he glitches, it doesn't it? He, like, glitches scene. a bit and you're like, oh, something's up here because he shouldn't be glitching if he's in his own universe. No, the thing he said he was going to 42. That that spider thing that's supposed to send them... He didn't know he was going to 42, though. No, but we did. No, I know, but... I think because this, this this film is a bit of a sensory overload oh, with yeah. all the different stuff going on. I just didn't twig it I know for a bit. Yeah, I know. What I mean to say is it was a brilliant scene and I loved the way it went. But because I saw it happen as it happened, it wasn't a twist, really. There was no big reveal because it was just, that's where he went. To yeah. me, because I saw it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we find out that Miles on Earth-42 has become a villain known as a Prowler. Or he is a Prowler. And I thought... The got... Prowler? I don't... When I've read up on it, they say Miles is uh, a Prowler because okay. in this context, there'd be multiple different ones across the multiverse. So in his in that universe, he's the Prowler? Prowler, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Isn't... But don't um, you think it got quite dark wasn't how he his was like... Uncle Aaron? Prowler in his universe, like an actual his Yeah, universe. he was, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but in this one, his dad's dead and yeah. his uncle's still alive, and Miles is the prowler. Yeah. Um so basically we get this, it ends on a bit of a cliffhanger, it then I think the film could have kind of ended there, but obviously we kind of know that it's part one of because originally I think they were called Spider Man Across the Spider Verse part one and then part two. But they've now changed it to uh, something. I don't know. It's not like Escape the Spider-Verse. I think it might be, actually. Let me have a look. Um, I quite like that they're doing this with the Spider-Man trilogies, like naming them. Beyond Beyond. the Spider-Verse, yeah. Because it was, what was it with um, Tom Holland? Homecoming. Far from home. Far from home. No. And No Way Home. Yeah. All about home. Homecoming trilogy, yeah. yeah. Um, but we do get to see a final scene where Gwen has kind of gone back to Earth, 1610, promised Miles's mum and dad that, it, that she will get him back. And what I really like is she kind of gets a team together of people who were in this film and then the original team from the first film who had, like, it was nice to Spider-Man see noir, noir and... Spider-Man, Porky the Pig. Spider-Ham. Spider-Ham. Um, as he's called, which well, I missed in this film. When he came at the end, I was like, right, I, I like that because they've clearly dealt with, dealt with a different story in this one and set yeah. up the third and the conclusion of the trilogy where it'll bring them all together. And it felt like the Avengers version of like Spider-Man. Yeah, I quite like that. To me. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting to see when it comes out because obviously they've left it on such a cliffhanger and it is dated for March next year. But there was an interview with Hayley Steinfeld this this week and she said that she hasn't recorded any dialogue for the film yet. Oh, so I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up getting pushed back. Yeah. But I think there's a sweet spot of when you leave a film on a cliffhanger like that, you can't take too long. Yeah. Um, and audiences do clearly care about this because it's surpassed the originals the first film's box office in the first 12 days is doing really well currently as we record it's just over 400 million dollars worldwide on a budget of 100 which is a very good return what would i do with 400 million dollars especially i think it's especially an achievement in this really crowded june because straight away transformers came out the week after and i actually think from a personal perspective because there was so much going on in this film, if the box office wasn't so crowded, I, this would be a film that I would go and see again. But literally June is like film after film after film after film. Just no time to double watch yeah. anything this time. Um, and it, I do think it is spoiling repeated viewing because this film is prime for repeated viewing. Oh, in my. So good. Um, but yeah, God knows when we'll get a sequel if she's saying she's not recorded any dialogue yet. Um... So I wouldn't be surprised if that gets bumped. Mm. Um, voice cast then? Uh, top marks. 
<laughs> what do you want me to say about I it? I don't know. I just thought, well, I liked Oscar Isaac. Uh, 2099. Yeah. I liked, I thought Daniel Coyula was particularly a highlight as Spider Punk. Yeah. Um, and then Shamik Moore as Miles and Hayley Steinfeld as Gwen were both really good. Yeah. Um, it was kind of the voice acting where you realise it's them, but because they're so in tune to the character, it's not kind of taking you out of whose voice it is. Uh, and it's like, oh, that's clearly Daniel Kayula, but Spider-Punk's more important than his voice. I'm not very good at identifying voices, unless it's someone that I've, like, watched loads. Of well, I'll tell you what, as a recent example, Aquafina or Scuttle. All I could think about was that was Aquafina. And yeah. she did do that hateful song. But yeah. She's um, got a really distinctive voice, though. You can't miss it. No, but I think the best voice actors get the job done, but they don't take the... They don't make it them playing. Yeah. Yeah. It's their voice. They've been cast for their unique voice or yeah. and getting that point across. Yeah. I think that's pretty much me done when it comes to notes i mean i can't wait for the next one whenever we get it i'd love if it's if it keeps to that release date next year mm-hmm. just um, uh tell me a star rating my star was this you going to get the gaydar <laughs> uh my star rating was five um even with that bit of a thing where i thought it did get a bit slightly ever so overlong in parts i thought it was a phenomenal film and it was so good to have it back oh, i will just comment the soundtrack's really good as well yeah yeah don't know any of the songs and i'm not very good it's, with the um, artists because it's very like a r&b rap yeah type. it's like um i think you know how guardians of the galaxy is like also known for its soundtrack i feel that this has as strong a soundtrack, even though it's different genre and it's less known songs because obviously they are new songs, not faulty as That's a good point as well because I actually saw an Instagram ad today, a tour in America where they, you know, where they do like a live orchestra with this film and I thought, yeah. well, it's only just come out so it's clearly making... Eee, that'd be good. A good, like... It's clearly making a dent from a soundtrack perspective. Speaking of live orchestra, are you, are you excited for this weekend? And so I, I, I can't think about it too much because I just get... Too excited. I just want the week to go and then it... We are seeing Hans Zimmer. Who I've seen before in London probably about five years ago and it was one of the best things I've ever been to. So I cannot wait to take Ned, my mum, my dad and my brother and I feel like the songs that I've already seen him perform... I'll just watch these four, like, take it in. But I'm sure there's bits that he's done in the time between I've last seen him. Is there, like, visuals as well? There's, like, like, visuals behind. They're not the film. It's, like, themes of the film, so you can tell it. But I'm very much hoping he does Dune, which I think he does. Oh, that'd be so good. And I'm hoping he does James Bond as well, because he did do the soundtrack for No Time to Die. Yeah. So yeah, a bit of a segue. Did you share your, uh, I was going to say game rating, um, star rating there? No, I didn't. Um, but it is a five. Strong contender, it'll be, in, I wholeheartedly believe this will be in our top ten of the year. Somewhere. Oh yeah, I would have, yeah. Unless, Potentially top five. Unless the rest of the year, like, surpasses all expectations. Yeah, but like... Yeah. It's 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 going to be in there, I think, yeah. for both of us. Yeah. At the very least, an, an honourable mention, but I think it will be in my top ten. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how how gay is it? Where is it coming on the gear well, I'm just trying to calibrate. I'm <laughs> a bit tired. Let me just... Oh, my God. What do you mean? <laughs> okay... It's coming up quite gay, actually. Yeah. Yeah, feels quite nice. Um, bit gayer than Renfield, not quite as gay as Everything Everywhere. Yeah, I would say that. I think yeah. a lot of it is, as we discussed earlier, quite a lot of the themes are queer-coded. Yeah. There are there would have been opportunities, especially in the Spider-Verse, to at least, a multiverse to at least make us, some of them... Gay. like overtly queer characters but 
Yeah, maybe have one of their love interests be same sex. Spider Pride. Oh, pride of us. <laughs> oh, Spider Fag. <gasps> My gosh. I understand. Spider Gay doesn't have the quite. Pride of Man. Pride of Man. But yeah, um, you know. It's not a film that's meant to be gay, but there's a lot that you can look at it as a as a queer person and go, I can identify with some of those emotions. Oh yeah, watch this through your rainbow lenses, and you will absolutely love it. Watch it without them, and you'll absolutely you'll feel love like it, you're but... tripping if you had rainbow Ooh. lenses with all this animation on the screen. So yes. yeah. And that's all for this time. If you have enjoyed this episode of Gaze on Film, please subscribe, rate, and comment on your podcasting platform of choice. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Gaze on Film Pod. And check out our Letterboxd accounts, links of which are in the show notes. We'd love to hear your thoughts, especially on this one. And if you want to reach from another dimension to tell me, do so. Mm, but don't um, bring the spot with you. No. Um, oh, one thing before we just sign off. I do want to really push some new reviews. So if you haven't ever reviewed us, we've got quite a few decent, like, on Spotify, you can just do star ratings. But I want, if you listen on iTunes, for you to do a star rating with a proper review because it will help the other people. The words help the algorithm, don't they? Well, just positive reviews will help other people just, like, just discover us by... Because um, Apple Podcasts is like a little search engine these days for different things. So, yeah. well, like if somebody puts in it, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, this should serve up in somewhere. I would hope so. Um, anyway, I have been Declan. And I have been Ned. And this has been Gaze on Film. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.